Hey, y'all, welcome to season five of the Lighthouse Podcast. We are so thrilled to be back. And I can't even believe I just said season five of the Lighthouse Podcast. That's amazing in itself. I have to explain that I am here by myself this morning. I am missing my fabulous co host because as we're starting season five of the podcast, we are finishing up our summer retreat season. So currently, um, Chris Woodruff is work crewing down in Florida, finishing up retreats there. And I'm actually coming to you from North Carolina where I'm finishing up here. And we, we've had an amazing summer. We had 15 retreats this summer and we covered Florida, North Carolina, and Georgia. It's really hard to kind of sum up a retreat season in a few words, but gosh, there's just, it's just a special place. And so many relationships were formed and so many families got to be served. Um, and a lot of lives, I think, were changed for the better. So our retreats this summer, we have challenges every year, of course, but overall, huge success. We served about 200 retreat families, and we had, this number amazes me, 1,897 volunteers that gave their time this summer to serve. And really, I, I get a little bit, it's bittersweet at the end of the season. I'm a little sad it's ending, but I'm already looking forward to next summer. However, we are not just a summer season here at Lighthouse. So we have several regional retreats happening in the fall. We've got two weekends, we've got two one days, and we actually have two more retreats happening this fall as well. So that's where Chris and I are right now and what we're kind of working towards for the fall. But right now, I would like to invite you to listen in on a conversation that we got to have with registered dietitian, Leslie Schlapper. Leslie is an outpatient registered dietitian at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. She's been at CHOA since 2009, and yet she brings an additional 15 plus years of experience working as a dietitian in the Navy, several other hospitals. So today on the podcast, she's going to share how nutrition makes a world of difference in the oncology field. She also has a bunch of really, really practical tips to share for you parents. So let's listen in with our conversation we had with Leslie. Leslie, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For our listeners, can you provide just a little bit of background? Uh, can maybe a little bit about your role, your job, how you ended up here in your career, uh, and and why you chose this profession? Okay, so I'm currently working as an outpatient registered dietitian at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta in the AFLAC Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Scottish Rite, and I've been in that particular role for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, I started working at, at Children's um, in 2009, um, but most of my time at Children's has been just not, you know, in the oncology field, but just working with in the general care areas, you know, children of all ages, um, but primarily in uh, with with uh, teens and adolescents and, and children uh, with eating disorders so that really became my niche for most of my time at children's and in about around 2020 I really wanted a change and the opportunity came up uh, to work in in the oncology hematology clinic and so um, an outpatient which I hadn't done before at children's so it's really been a, a good a good move for me Prior to that, I started um, as a dietitian in, well, my college, uh, you know, what do you want to do for college? Um, you know, I knew I always wanted to be in the medical field, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. This was in the early 80s. I'm going to college, undecided major. Um, and the famine in Ethiopia in 1983, 84. Mm -hmm. 
just really had an impact on me, I think. Um, you know, this was before the internet, and so you get your Time magazine in the mail, right? <laughs> yeah. And the cover story was, you know, kids are starving in Africa. And, you know, you open up your Time magazine and you see all these children, it's just devastating, yeah. you know? And I was really just, I don't know, kind of interested in, wow, food is so basic, you know? Mm. And how could this happen? And what effect does it have on the body? So I just yeah. love the science of that. And, you know, how does malnutrition happen? And why do some of these kids just have very skinny, you know, arms and legs, but their belly is big? You know, why does that happen? Yeah. So I was just, um, yeah, I knew that's kind of what I wanted to do. Not go to Africa necessarily, but just that whole field of nutrition and how nutrition can help humans. Uh, yeah. And now so. you're applying that in the childhood cancer world on the mm-hmm. oncology at, at Aflac, which is amazing. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, so um, my first job out of uh, college um, in the early 90s was I was in the Navy as a dietitian. So that was for, with very healthy people. Right. <laughs> so it was more, uh, you know, health and wellness based because it was really educating sailors and Marines and keeping them fit and healthy. So I did a lot, a lot of, you know, teaching and mm. education and the right ways to nourish your body so you can be at your top physical, you know, shape. And um, I had a lot of, you know, weight weight management that I had to do because, you know, they're just like the rest of us. And some people get a little, gain a little too much weight yeah. and have a desk <laughs> job. And um, so I did a lot of education and um, around, you know, obesity prevention and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, coming out of the, the military, um, I worked in adult hospitals and um, worked in some psychiatric hospitals and then kind of wanted a fresh start. And so came to Children's in 2009. It's fantastic. What kind of a transition was it for you to go from primarily like the eating disorder, that kind of thing, to go to oncology? Well, um, I, I consider eating disorder it's still a medical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at Children's, we don't treat eating disorders, uh, the psychiatric piece of it. We teach them more the medical piece of okay. it, which is re-nourishing the body. And these patients come in with malnutrition and all the complications that mm-hmm. go along with that. Um, and so it's about feeding and re-nourishing your body. Okay. So, um, yeah, so two okay. feedings and, you know that sort of thing and helping kids you know get to a better you know healthier state so in your current role um, in the outpatient clinic how does it start what does it look like for someone to be referred to you so um, we have uh, you know various teams that um, that manage different types of patients in um, in our clinic so on the oncology side we have you know the brain tumor um, team we have leukemia and lymphoma. We have the solid tumor team. Um, On the hematology and blood disorder side, we have sickle cell, kids with sickle Mm -hmm. cell disease. And I see a lot of kids with with just who are just referred there for iron deficiency, seeing a physician or hematologist for that. So my referrals, and and obviously survivor clinic too, which I'll talk about in a a bit, I'm sure. Um, But really it's, you know, every day I, I don't know what I'm kind of walking into because it's really just very fluid and so if a doctor says oh can you see so-and-so you know for this this is what we're concerned about or um, they may know know that somebody's coming in that day that has a g-tube or has an ng you know feeding tube um, and they want me to check in with them or you know as as we go along and I and I'm seeing regular patients that that I have you know when they come in weekly or monthly um, I'll check in with them too so sometimes it gets you know pretty pretty 
busy, you know, going from, you know, infusion area over to, you know, day hospital and then, yes. you know, over to just a clinic exam room when there's also four other providers trying to get in and see yeah. this patient as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but so it's very, you know, it's fast paced and it's, it's lots of variety and yeah, it could be an infant that I'm seeing with a feeding tube or it could be a, you know, young adult in survivor clinic. So gotcha. So it covers all, the gamut. Yes. You're working. So you probably have switching between uh, working with the parents, right? Mm-hmm. Because at a certain age, you're not obviously at a, with a two year old talking to the two year old necessarily. You might be right. saying some things, but that's not really who you're working with. Right. But then when they hit a certain age, you're really more working with them mm-hmm. and, the, and the choices that they're making or how they're they're going about certain things. Right. So the, the you know, teens and, and young adults, I would mostly see those um those patients in survivor clinic so um you know and to me that's just it's so interesting it kind of brings me back to my you know health and wellness days um of really you know how do you stay healthy you know so i don't see you know everyone they they only refer the patients who are really struggling with um you know gaining maybe too much weight Mm -hmm. not having a healthy diet or kids who are not growing not gaining and just you know um underweight and and how can i help both of those so i it really kind of you know those are the two types of patients that i see yeah how often um because you mentioned when you were talking with christy a second ago um doctors um referring and bringing patients to you um how often are parents the referral how often do parents ask for hey could we get some some help from a or is there someone we can talk to from a dietitian perspective i would say it's probably about 20 percent of the referrals um yeah it's uh they'll say i i you know my child's a picky eater how can i how can you know what what can i do they don't eat enough vegetables or that you know i'm serving dinner and they don't want to eat what i'm making how do you know what what can i do um sometimes it's for things like uh formula that um they can't get the formula that they need especially during during you know covid you know times and supply chain shortages and all that it's you know sometimes i'm scrambling to try and find where they can get formula that they need um, if they're receiving formula through WIC, um, which is you know the program that that provides you know um, infants and children up to age five with with formula that they Mm -hmm. may need Um, it's you know contacting the WIC office and trying to get this you know trying to get them what they need and if they can't find it can we substitute something else? You know, so it's it's sometimes on the phone, and sometimes I have kind of three patients, you know, at one time trying to kind of help. But yes, yeah. I do get I do get parents yeah. asking. I would imagine there's probably a, a number of parents that don't even know your role exists, um, and then there's also those that um, may not fully understand like how your role plays a part. What are some of the common misconceptions that that parents may have of of you and your role? So I think that some parents um, may feel that the dietitian is going to tell them what to eat and maybe give them a diet. And that's definitely not what we do. I mean, obviously, dietary intervention is our job. But it's, you know, as dietitians, we always, you know, try and figure out what does the patient need so it's really reviewing the chart first to see what's going on what's you know looking at the growth chart looking at the history looking at the type of treatment that they've been getting with their medication list and and really and then kind of go from there so you know the first question is how can i you know when i approach a family is how can i help 
how could I help with nutrition? Um, and so I kind of leave it kind of more open-ended to see where they're yeah. coming from yeah. before I just jump into my, oh, well, you need blah, blah, blah. Um, so because, you know, not, not all families are in the same spot with what they, what they want to do or, or change about eating. Um, so, yeah, it's really finding out what they need and, and what are they willing yeah. to do. So I kind of try and meet them where they are well, that's great. first. Are there anything? Are there any questions that you wish that parents would ask you? Like, are you? Are there after you've met with so many families? Are you like, I wish that they would want to know this, or I wish that they would ask me about this? Oh gosh, um, I, I think that's a that's a tough question. Um, I I would love for parents, I guess, to be more forthcoming with maybe what they're struggling with. Hmm. Um, without fear of being judged for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because um, I'm just here to help. So yeah. I, there's no no judgment whatsoever. And so sometimes I think when I do go in, I'm trying to get a good diet history. It maybe is not, you know, totally accurate. Yeah. But I need to know all of it so I can help. Yeah. That you makes know? sense. You know, I don't, you know. I can see. Yeah. I could see that. Would you oh, be absolutely. judging, like, say, if I, my kid was on steroids and I let him eat pizza at mm-hmm. 11 o'clock at night? Right. Exactly. Do you get families that, that are worried about the steroid food? Uh, that was a big deal for us, like the all day yes. eating and the, I mean, that is just it's a tough. tough it's tough. so tough. And I, yes, and I think that it's, it's tough, but, you know, there are ways that, you know, I'm not going to take away that hunger. Yeah. Okay. I I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But I can certainly minimize maybe extra calories that are going in that aren't necessary. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's um, maybe they're drinking juice or soda, can we switch to this beverage or, you know, this particular brand of whatever it is, let's switch to this brand. Um, So there are things that maybe I I know that I can help them with, but but they need to tell we me what's tell you. going yeah. on. Yeah. So I we need to help. fess up. Yeah, you have to you <laughs> yep. got to know you got to be transparent and share yeah. what what really it is uh, to to be able to get the true help on it, right? So you've talked a little bit about some of the things you work with patients on, but what are like some of the most common things for these kids? So I would have to say that um, in the for the brain tumor team, I'm probably the busiest okay. on on certain days. I mean, it's a very large team and so we have you know, a lot of kids who are who are going through pretty pretty intense te- uh, chemotherapy or radiation, and so you know, appetite changes, weight loss occur early, and for some kids, they the doctors know to expect that, and so they're pretty proactive with getting a, f- a feeding tube, uh, whether that be a nasogastric tube or a G tube, and so to me, that's really high priority patient that I need to see because I need to make sure they're on the right formula, the right number of calories. Is this going to be an all-day tube feeding? Is this going to be just an overnight tube feeding with maybe small amounts during the day in between based on what they can eat and what, you know, if they skip a meal. So that's, you know, that's a big part of what I do Um, because these, you know, that's kind of my area is nutrition. So it's about how many calories does this child need and and that sort of thing. and, and some, some of our patients do see a gastroenterologist, but most don't. They don't yeah. necessarily need a gastroenterologist to, to help manage these patients, so that gets done in clinic. Hmm. And then for, you mentioned Survivor Clinic earlier, and we've talked a lot about Survivor Clinic on this podcast. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things 
that kids struggle with in survivorship specific to, you know, their diet or their, you know, their growth? So a lot of the um, patients have treatment, obviously, that affects their growth. So it could be um, uh, delay in, in, you know, height. You know, their height is is not, you know, gaining um or gaining and they're not gaining in height, um, and their their weight is kind of faltering, so they're really falling off the the growth curve, um, and so it's you know some of that. Uh, obviously, the endocrinologist is on the team and can you know does kind of their thing with medications and managing hormones, but there you know nutritionally is 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 this patient taking in enough calories? How can I maximize calories? Um, the other part of that I think is that a lot of um, patients in survivor clinic, you know, they've they've been through pretty intense treatment and maybe have developed some feeding aversions. So they're uh, very, yeah. um, you know, I guess you could say pickier eaters when they when this whole you know journey is is done, and then then they're kind of stuck with well, I eat these you know five or ten foods on a regular basis, and those maybe aren't that's not meeting everything that you need. Yeah. So it's just a lot of education around that. Um, on the other hand, there are some kids that I see um, who maybe are, you know, teenagers in survivor clinic, and they've really done a lot of reading on their own, and you know, that, well, I need to really be on the healthiest diet I possibly can be. So sometimes we have kids who, you know, I want to be vegetarian, or I want to be vegan, or, you know, and so, you know, and I, I try and support that as, if that's truly what they mm-hmm. want, but they need the education on how to do that properly so that they don't cause nutritional deficiencies right. yeah. in themselves. So a lot of those, I do a lot of that education. And then on the other side of that, it's kids who um, maybe their weight is trending up, and even though they're off therapy and they're off steroids, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if, you, if you've been through treatment and you've been told, here, have milkshakes, if you want a milkshake at yes. you know, midnight, right. Any- you, <laughs> anything you want, we'll make. And, yep. and so sometimes that's hard to shut off when you're done with treatment. Yeah. And okay, now let's kind of bring it back to, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, you know, low fat dairy, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think that's tough. It is, yeah, for for a lot of kids, and Absolutely. so it's it's really you know, and and sometimes too with their therapies, um, maybe some of those late effects would be you know high cholesterol, triglycerides, mm. blood sugar levels. So it's really kind of that back to kind of wellness and kind of getting back to that education as well. So it's yeah. it's it's very different. Every every patient is different. But those are the common things I see in survivor clinic. You mentioned. Um, feeding tubes and having mm-hmm. a good number of folks on feeding tubes and and this may not be your role i'm just curious i'm coming out of a feeding tube you know i would imagine depending on how long they have it there's got to be even maybe like some work on how to just eat again and chew like is that something you're doing or is there someone else that's that's helping so that's a great question um yeah so it a lot of kids again it depends too when they're when they're when their feeding tube was placed. You know, you can imagine that if someone is an infant or toddler and they've got a feeding tube as pretty much their sole source nutrition, they haven't learned those skills to chew, swallow, enjoy food and, and all of right. that. And so it just yeah, now your your you know, your treatment's done, we can get rid of this tube, but no, we really can't. You're not 
we haven't yeah. developed that skill. So a lot of our kids do require a referral to our specialized feeding clinic mm. um, at Children's Healthcare that we have a multidisciplinary feeding yeah. program that, um, that, that we do a lot of referrals to. So no, I don't do that myself. But for some kids, they still are eating. They're just maybe not eating. Um, you know, their parents don't really know where to start with with yeah. what to ha- you know what to feed them. Yeah. So it's it's you know just kind of basic. How do you feed a toddler? How do you feed a preschooler, yeah. um, school age child? You know, it's a lot about exposure. So. Yeah. I do a lot about, you know, you don't need to ask, um, you don't need to be a short order, you know, cook in your own home. If you're making, you know, chicken and pasta and a vegetable, then that's kind of what you serve and and kind of get back to kind of basic family eating and not doing a separate food for your child who has... You know, love that advice. So right important. There. Yeah, yes. yeah, so important. and so that's that's a lot of what I do. But I, I love that kind of education. To me, that's really that's really um, something where I can see an immediate effect. Yeah, or, you know, immediate return. I want to come back to because you, you mentioned it once or twice already, and a couple of different scenarios. But the um, the the topic around weight gain. Uh, and what weight gain looks like, because um, that's definitely something you're addressing on a pretty regular um, basis. What do you find are some of the most common causes of weight gain uh, for these kids? And then how do you help them? How do you coach them in that? So, um, as you mentioned, you know, steroids, you know, just yes. um, and in um, our leukemia population, um, mm-hmm. steroids are used, you know, Frequently, yes, you say, <laughs> yeah. um, and so yes, it, it really just increases appetite, and then you know if you come off the steroids, it, you know it should the appetite should should decrease, um, but in other other uh, patients, particularly um, children with um, certain types of brain tumors, um, it, it can cause what we call hypothalamic obesity, which results in the patient always feeling hungry. Hmm. Um, sometimes they have a lower metabolic rate, they can have that daytime sleepiness, and they just are burning fewer calories. So it's a really tough, tough um, thing to have. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at in you know in our clinic we actually have a comprehensive brain tumor clinic um, which is really for survivors who you know they see an endocrinologist psychology you know all the all the disciplines um, to kind of help these patients like I said earlier a lot of them can have just weight gain even if their diet is not necessarily you know excessive yeah um but it's really about managing you know maybe getting a little bit more deep into things like instead of just don't have juice but going into you know how many carbohydrates are you having um you know let's minimize you know the the total number of calories by you know doing certain things maybe environmentally around the house if it's you know putting food putting food away so it's not there you know mm-hmm. all day long in the open every time you go into the kitchen or you know kind of making your food environment safe at home yeah um so it's it's tough it it is very tough for those for those kids and those families do you um do you educate them obviously when for the kids when they get to a certain age that they understand and comprehend but then also when they don't with the parents did you do you educate them on just the idea of like macros and then tracking your calories so you can kind of see hey or, or else helping them think through what should their goal be of trying to get this many calories or this many grams 
grams of protein and all that. And there's all these different apps these days where you can track <laughs> a lot of that stuff. Do you review some of that stuff with them or are you not that granular? Well, it, it depends. Um, I have done some of that with, um, with patients that I've been seeing maybe for a while, um, maybe some, you know, 17, 18 year olds who really want to take charge of this. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I do say, let's, let's track your calories. You could do this. I show them, you know, the app that they could right. use. Um, and, you know, we do food journals and, and things like that. Um, but some, some families may not be ready for that. Sure. So, and, and, you know, not, so again, it's it's kind of meeting them where they are. But right. I would say it's more for that that teen who can do it for themselves right. and um, and kind of you know who's motivated to do that yeah. and wants to do that for themselves. I'll definitely help them That's with great. that. That's great. There's so much emotion that can be attached to food um, in general, or the way that your body's changing as you're going through treatment, which, you know, these kids don't really have any control over that aspect. Um, And I imagine even in survivor clinic as they get older, that the emotional part of this can be really tough. Is that something that you're walking kids through as well? So I know when I worked with patients with eating disorders on an outpatient basis, you know, that it was, I think that was more my role. But I feel like at um, at our clinic, you know, shame and maybe anxiety around weight gain. It, I, I really kind of leave that. That's kind of best done with our psychologists mm-hmm. in clinic because that's really their that's really their area. Yeah. So I kind of leave that. Um, I kind of leave that to them. So I will kind of let let them know if they're not right. already working with them on that. Um, so mine is more just kind of focused on the food and exercise behavior piece of it. And the practical scientific mm-hmm. side. Right, gotcha. right. But I'm, yeah. I'm a firm believer in, you know, uh, you know food journals and, and tracking what you eat for accountability. You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know, it's really hard to know what you had, you know, two days ago. Or, yes. you know, right. yeah. Sometimes you know. it's hard to remember what you had for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, so yeah. It's, it's all, you know, pretty individualized based on what the patient needs yeah you know here in atlanta we're really fortunate um choa just has really uh robust um programs and and support services for for families um so i'd love for you to speak to the our listeners that maybe don't have uh as as many resources in their hospital uh, what are some tips and tricks for those parents that maybe they don't have a dietitian that they can meet with in their hospital uh, that are just maybe some best practices when it comes to their child, maybe both in treatment and even post-treatment? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I know that the um, National Cancer Institute, I believe, has a uh, has a ton of resources on nutrition for all you know, all types of um, issues, whether it be underweight, overweight, um, That's great. healthy eating. So their website is awesome. They also have um, a tele, kind of a telehealth registered dietitian that you can access. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay. Fabulous. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's a good resource um, for someone who may live in a, you know, area where yeah. you don't have access to mm-hmm. something like we have in, in Atlanta. That's phenomenal. Are there any things you can think of, like when you were talking about the steroid stuff, because that is just so common, are there any like do's or don'ts um, like from an eating perspective, like try to avoid this or try to eat more of this? Or is it just the same thing you would tell anybody? It's less sugar and more vegetables kind of thing. 
Well, I mean, I try and be more specific than that, obviously, because most people probably know that, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, not everyone is aware that maybe their can of soda or their glass of, you know, juice has you know, a lot of empty calories. Yeah. Um, they kind of, you know, it's kind of maybe not intuitive or, you know, for, for some some families. So, you know, I always, if someone is drinking a lot of sweetened beverages, that's going to give you, that's kind of where I start because that's going to give you the biggest return on investment, so to speak. Yeah. Or we can make a simple change mm-hmm. of changing that beverage to, you know, there are some sugar-free options. There are, you know, even, you know, even if it's a kid's, you know, they make uh, like a sugar-free powder that would go into yeah. water. Yeah. And you can have that in place of, of a, a standard juice or kid's drink. Yeah, that's great. Um, so really just educating them. Hey, if we change these five beverages you're drinking, let's just work on that for right now. Yeah. And that's going to give you your biggest return on, you know, biggest change that, that you can see immediate, you know. And it even starts with just paying attention and tracking it, right? And it's that idea before we were talking about of of just being honest with what you are taking in and and really take take count of okay how many drinks oh my gosh if you actually count <laughs> right. it it's like oh i'm having that many right right maybe i need to cut that back and start drinking more water exactly. or the sugar free stuff that you're talking about i think that's a great place to start so that's great well and i love that that's a simple tip that's not saying don't give your kid on a steroid rage the pizza because you're going to have to give the kid on the steroid mm-hmm. rage a pizza cuz when let me just tell you chris when they're having like a a rage if they want a cheeseburger you're just going to give them the cheeseburger but you can slip in the substituted powder stuff they Mm -hmm. won't know the difference necessarily and you don't have to deal with the real problem which is your kid's hysterical and you don't know who this child is anymore and they just want the cheeseburger they want what they want they want what they want so i love that because it's simple and it's just kind of around the edge Mm -hmm. of it's still giving them a sweetened beverage but not with the right unnecessary calories and even even pizza you know thin crust is going to have less calories than the regular crust Mm -hmm. you know or deep dish so yeah that's right just thinking about trying to find those little simple things so you're not dramatically changing it right Right. you're still which makes sense you're you've got that child that's going through that yeah you've got to you got to do something and and you're only going to make it worse because the hunger is real right they're really really hungry and very upset about it so Mm -hmm. you know there's a trade-off there that's right that's (laughs) right yeah. Well, those are some great, I think, great starter tips. Leslie, this has been really great. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes with us and just walking us through uh, what you do, but not only what you do, but what are some of the different ways you do it. I think that's going to be really helpful for some of our families. So we really appreciate you taking some time and sharing today. Well, that was a great way to start season five. Love talking with Leslie. Um, I also really loved as a mom, the practical tips and encouragement. We hope that you found today's episode encouraging and helpful. And as a refresher for you new people, the Lighthouse podcast is a resource designed for families living through childhood cancer and for those who want a better understanding of what this journey of childhood cancer is like. So if you enjoyed the episode today, we really encourage you to share it with a friend. And if you have any stories or topics or ideas that you would like covered on the podcast this season, we would love to hear about it. Please shoot us an email at podcast at lighthousefamilyretreat.org. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week with a new episode.